0: In this episode, we focus on Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 19 through 29. Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this season, Tim Dunn and Joey Willis walk through the book of Ecclesiastes, verse by verse, discussing what is being revealed about the nature of God, our world, and our most adequate response to it. Grab your Bible, some note-taking supplies, and pull up the BibleSays.com commentary on Ecclesiastes as we take a deep dive into the deep truths of Ecclesiastes. Rich with humility and hope, uncertainty and purpose, mystery and faith, This book is sure to challenge your perspective on what it means to live life well. Wisdom strengthens a wise man, more than 10 rulers who are in a city. Indeed, there is not a righteous man on earth who continually does good and who never sins. Also, do not take seriously all words which are spoken, so that you will not hear your servant cursing you. For you also have realized that you likewise have many times cursed others
1: yeah this seems to be saying a lot of what we've we've mentioned here that that people are uh you know sinful people have a flesh, and so you know give 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 some give some grace, walk around with the understanding that nobody is perfect, no one's righteous, not even one uh which is why we need a God, why we need to fear him and to to trust in him and so maybe part of all of this right here in the middle part of this chapter is is, is saying. And all of this talk about making good choices and being a wise person and pursuing wisdom, don't forget that you are dependent on God for that, that you need God to help you through that, that process.
2: You know, I'll, just, I'll go back to the 1 John uh, passage again. Uh, again, this is about fellowship, intimacy. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, so we're, we're, we're doing really good. We have fellowship with one another. So, if we're doing what God asks us to do, we're, we're going to have intimacy with one another. It makes perfect sense, right? And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. We still have sin,
1: mm-hmm.
2: even even when we're doing that. If we say we have no sin, the next verse says we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Mm-hmm. We've always we've always got sin. It's just has it has it manifested itself yet? Have you become aware of it yet? Uh, and then when you do become aware, then you confess it, which means to speak it and say, I have this sin. For me, I know I am an arrogant person. That is my nature. That is not an excuse. It's not to say, oh, I'm just that way. It's my bent. But that does not have that does not mean I have to behave that way. It does not mean I have to behave that way. I can be uh, humble by seeing reality as it is, and I can be gentle by listening to other people and seeing what they see. I can do those two things. That's my choice to do that. It's not my bent, and so uh we can see reality. We can see reality as it is. well, and that's great
1: too, to remind ourselves that that's true not only for us but for other people, which is why he says here, don't take seriously all the words which are spoken uh so that you will not hear your servant cursing you if you're if you overhear somebody talking bad about you don't take that personally. That's not actually about you. That's probably about maybe a sense of, of this wickedness that they don't really even realize they're doing. And it's not about, it's not about you. It's not, a, it's not a personal thing, really. It's, it's about this own person's uh, weakness, wickedness kind of manifesting.
2: That's so well said. When, when people put you down, they're not even thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. And they're putting you down to brag to someone else or to elevate themselves in someone else's eyes, just like you've done before. Exactly. Right? That's, exactly. that's Solomon's point. Like, Let's get some reality here. So <clears throat> I do quite a bit of polit- in politics. And uh, the <clears throat> I tend to get under the skin of uh, people that make a profession off of uh, skimming off the system. And benefiting themselves when they're supposed to be serving others, that's not righteous. So I, I tend to stand against a lot of that stuff, and and uh, and I get reviled for it. So and the temptation, anytime you're uh, talked about, and and you know, and you you also if because you're at, in controversy, maybe you have news articles about you or something like that. You the tendency when when your name comes up in the press or when someone says something about you. And this this is even uh this is even true if uh you're at a party or something over here your name some spoken somewhere else. The tendency is to start thinking this, everybody's thinking about me. You know, even if you're the most famous person in the world, you don't get thought about very much. And you you watch these uh celebrities, you know, I, I asked I ask some uh, the pop culture doesn't interest me. But I, I asked a person who was fascinated with it and followed it a lot one time, I said, what's the what's the draw? Why do people pay attention to this? And this uh and this girl said, Well, it's because of the lengths that people go to to compete with one another to be in the spotlight of center intention. And people are wanting to know what will they do next? Hmm. And so I thought, Oh, okay, that makes perfect sense. So that's why they're setting their hair on fire. <laughs> that's why. That's why <clears throat> I wonder how many of these marriages and breakups are orchestrated. Mm. You know, like, yeah. hey, how are we going to get? Well, uh, let's have a baby. You know, let's. Uh, the, maybe it's real life. Maybe it's you know the wrestling type of thing. I, I I don't I don't know. But the the point is to get people's attention, and they spend like all their time trying to make that happen, and still we not many people pay attention, right? So. People are not looking at you. They're not focusing on you. If you overhear your name, forget about it. They're not focusing on you. When you go to the store and someone looks at you, you know what they're thinking? What are they looking at me? (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) what are they thinking about What are they
2: thinking about me? They're not thinking about you. So this is humility seeing reality as it is. This is reality. They're not thinking about you, really. Well, and I think that
1: this is an invitation into the what we call we call the freedom circle or the circle of choice, uh to to set us free of the just constant narrative in our head. It's like, what are they thinking about me? What are they thinking about me? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and if we are in a world where we're all standing up like this mon a bunch of monoliths with a me centered orientation, <laughs> we get offended so easily. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is a threat to me. And what Solomon is saying here is, you said, it well, Tim, is let's just get a bit of reality. Let's take a step back and say, like, hey, look, this person's not trying to hurt you or attacking mm-hmm. your uh, identity necessarily. This person is living in their own sin nature, and they're cursing you because of a wickedness that may not have been revealed to them yet, just as you yourself likewise many times, <laughs> it says many times, have cursed others. Uh-huh. And so I think he, you're right. He's saying, all right, let's take a step back and just orient ourselves to reality so we can make choices that are based in that reality.
2: Now, there's another thing about this is uh, the New Testament says, don't make vows, right. don't swear, don't need an oath. Be so trustworthy that everybody knows when you say something, you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. So part of this too is, well, yeah, yeah man, I've done that too. And, and and what I try to keep in mind, and you know, it's not easy to do, but I try to keep in mind is, would I say that in front of them? you know would i say that in front of them and you know that's that's not a bad that's not a bad guide to go by is it would i say that in front of them and um you know let your yes be yes and and live in integrity it is worthwhile uh not trashing people when just because they're not happen to be there 23 through
0: 26 I tested all this with wisdom, and I said, I will be wise. But it was far from me. What has been is remote and exceedingly mysterious. Who can discover it? I directed my mind to know, to investigate and to seek wisdom and an explanation, and to know the evil of folly and the foolishness of madness. And I discovered more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets, whose hands are chains one who is pleasing to god will escape from her but the sinner will be captured by her
1: so as we just finished saying solomon is is leaning into the the idea that that this is this is a process he's saying i'm going to be wise i'm going to do it uh but it's far from him which is so funny because solomon is renowned as the wisest man <laughs> that ever lived he's closer than the rest of us uh but it's it's difficult this isn't something that can be mastered. Again, it's not about the outcome of perfecting wisdom. It's about the process of trying to be wise and leaning into wisdom.
2: And he talks here, uh, he discovered more bitter than death is the woman whose heart is snares and nets. Now, we know that eventually Solomon got trapped by those snares and nets. Uh, 1 Kings eleven four says, for when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods, and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord as God, as the heart of David his father had been. So we have Solomon who wrote this wisdom literature, and this here's Ecclesiastes, if you follow your own way, it'll end up as folly. And he ended up following that's his what own he way. That's what he did. What he did okay. So that, that's a cautionary tale in and of itself. And he didn't follow his own advice. He knew that the more bitter than death was a woman who snares and nets. Now, what is that? And let's just, let's just make it generic here. Uh, so this is sexual attraction where the goal is exploitation. And, and, I, and I think that we, we could say uh, sexual immorality, we, we could just say a, a synonym for that is exploitive approach to sexuality. What, I have an appetite, and I want it satisfied, and I need someone else. I need someone else to give me that satisfaction. I need to extract from the other person. So these women with snares and nets, a snare and net is like a a net is something you throw over a, a rabbit to catch it and eat it. Or, so it's like I'm trying to get something from you. So, you know, the stereotypical thing would be, you know, the 20-year-old uh Playboy bunny or whatever—that's marrying the eighty-five-year-old man who's rich, uh, type of thing. It's fairly apparent there what's happening. Right? Right. Uh, somebody wants something, but this is this is the nature of us, both men and women, to to say, you know, I want something from you. I want to extract something from you. And that lifestyle, it, it what that does is that brings bitterness. That brings emptiness. That brings despair, and it's more bitter than death. He says, and um, so that you know, when, when we look at like First uh, Thessalonians four three, it says, "This is the will of God: your sanctification, that, that you be set apart to this life of crea- create creative life, this life where uh, you turn Hebel into something that is meaningful because because you're living a faith life." And the very next thing it says is that you abstain from sexual immorality. Well, you you can't be living a life serving others, which is your path to ultimate fulfillment, while the, a deep part of you is extracting from other people. And and this and this is I think just kind of an, an overarching thing. Uh, so and this and this even comes into marriage. You know, the sexual intimacy in marriage is to be done out of oneness it's fundamentally a spiritual activity it's a it's a spiritual activity that's done physically uh, that has a physical manifestation and if it's approached from any other way it becomes exploitative and then it's not generating oneness it's not accomplishing its result
1: yeah and this is this language in this section just sounds just very f- similar to Proverbs, and I think the reason, as you said, Tim, it, it, it's a generic warning. Uh, the reason I think that woman is chosen here is because of the Book of Proverbs, and in Proverbs, you have the the two character, the two personifications of Lady Wisdom. So, wisdom is personified as a woman, and like the strange woman or the harlot, mm-hmm. which is described as. But you're right; like men do this too. Yeah. There are men who ensnare the guys. Who go out and try mm-hmm. to promise women that they're going to care for them, yeah. and then get what they want, and you know, leave them high, and they won't brag to their friends about how many women they've slept yeah. with. So this isn't a a gender thing; this is a human thing. Yeah. But I think the reason the woman is in there is because of the connection with lady wisdom yeah. in, in in the Book of Proverbs. But you're right; this is this is a a warning uh, against all of these ensnarements. Uh, and and the wickedness that that are inherent within them, and it's you know it's it's a warning to not be this person, not just to avoid this person, but don't be this person.
2: Don't be this person. And you know this uh, addiction is a modern word. If you go to like Romans one, it says uh, the wrath of God is revealed against unrighteousness of of people, and then it says h- how the wrath is revealed, and it says he gave them over to their lusts he gave them over to their passions which we would call addiction and then he gave them over to a debased mind so it starts with i'm pursuing my appetites the wrong way i get addicted as a result and now i can't even think straight so i have friends relations acquaintances or or have um you know a friend of a friend or have read things or seen Um, you know, documentaries about various addictions and know a little bit about kind of the recovery industry, the recidivism rate for, for all these addictions is unbelievably high. Like it's really, really difficult to get out of this. Not many people recover once they fall in. And it seems that sexual addiction is the worst. And, you know, I've seen, I've seen people like, you know, uh, Doctors, I know of a doctor. I know of a guy that was a staff church staff member. They're in prison for child pornography. You know, I'm sure they didn't start off that path saying, "Hey, I'd like to be a child pornographer." It starts one one. It starts with some lust. Well, a little bit of this won't matter. But then you need some more, and then you need some more, and pretty soon you wake up and you're you're not even thinking straight anymore. And that's the nature of any kind of sin whether it's a substance that uh, lets me create my own environment, the illusion of my own environment. So I'm happy now. I'm going to escape the cares of the world. Or imaginary women where, you know, mm-hmm. this imaginary woman is going to fulfill me. Well, no, that's a snare and a net. And that leads to death is what that is. And, you know, and you, you're going to wake up and find yourself. You can't even think straight. All all sin is this way, and we do it to ourselves. The wrath of God is letting us have what we ask for. And what we're called to do here is recognize reality and say, you know what that really is? Bitterness worse than death. Right. And if we can look at it that way and choose that perspective, it helps us say, you know what I don't want? Bitterness worse than death.
1: Well, and I think it's important that this ensnarement happens as. Directly as Solomon is saying, I directed my mind to know, to investigate, to seek wisdom and an explanation for things. So Solomon is is trying. He's saying, I'm going towards the journey of wisdom. These things are snares that that take away from it. If I'm trying to go through the difficult process of figuring out wisdom and trying to give my best effort, put my best foot forward, make sense of this world, uh, you know, the the seductress is going to come in and say, you know what? This seems like a lot of work. Why don't you try this? It's mm-hmm. a little bit easier, you know. And God, you know, Solomon gives here an out clause, right? He says, uh, "The one who is pleasing to God will escape from there." So if a man goes to a bar, just trying to find as many women as he can sleep with mm-hmm. and hook up with, and and he will whisper whatever kind of lies mm-hmm. he has to to get them into his bed. Uh, the way that the reason that's effective. Is when uh, he is telling a woman something that she wants to hear, and that woman is hearing it from him rather than from God, right? Yeah. So she, she's going looking for something, and he's like, oh, I'll give you that, but really, it's a lie. He's yeah. like, she's going to take something from her and then, mm-hmm. then leave her high and dry,
2: yeah, and uh, Solomon says here, the hands are chains. The hands of the seductress are chains. There is a control thing. I want to control you for my own benefit. Right. Um, you know this. This ultimately that that situation you uh, described there could end up with a woman end up in trafficking. Right mm, sure. now, now they're basically a possession of that of that person. Uh, and, and on the flip side, you end up under the control of the woman. Yeah, you know, I actually. Uh, so this this is a this is a thing i stay as far away from as i can this this whole this whole uh this whole category but you you run into you know the saucy look on the you know magazine cover the billboard or something it's it's everywhere in our society and um what this is what i started doing i started saying to myself when i saw that look on a billboard or something that woman wants to control me <laughs> and i i do not I do not want to be under the control of anybody. That's, that's kind of part of my wiring. And in it, and it, and time, that look became uh, kind of uh, disgusting to me. <laughs> <That's crazy. laughs> so uh, that was a little trick I learned. Hmm. Verses 27 through
0: 29. Behold, I have discovered this, says the preacher, adding one thing to another to find an explanation which I am still seeking, but have not found. I have found one man among a thousand, but I have not found a woman among these. Behold, I have found only this, that God made upright men, but they have sought out many devices.
2: Now here, of course, is Solomon's experience saying, I I just don't run into wisdom very often. In his particular experience, he had met a few wise men and zero wise women. Now, um, this is not saying there's no wise women. <laughs> right. Um, you know, there's some fantastic female uh, heroes in the Bible mm-hmm. that are the epitome of courage and wisdom, and are actually uh, held up as in examples we should follow. And it's real interesting. The Bible goes out of its way. To point out the women that were non-Jewish women in Jesus's lineage, because you know Jesus ultimately saved the whole world, even though he came through this very specific ethnicity of of Jewish, and one of those is Ruth, who was a Moabitess. and Ruth is a a one of the most, uh, I mean she's she's a a lioness in Scripture. She's She's got unbelievable faith, incredible courage. She's diligent, like somebody we should all pattern ourselves after. What this is saying, though, is Solomon, he says, I, I should say, Ruth was his grandmother. Okay, so there is a great woman in his lineage. But here's, here's, a, here's Solomon's reality. He was building a dynasty, and he, was, he married 700 women. Okay, so first of all, that's not, that's not setting yourself up for a uh, great situation. And they're basically marrying for diplomacy of various kinds. And so what kind of, what kind of relationship is that? It's transactional. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so the, the, the objective, the, the, assign, the assignment of that woman is to go to Solomon's kingdom and do things for the kingdom from which she came. So that's not a seek out wisdom type of a situation. That's a how can, I, how can I get what I want type of situation. But the point here is there's just not many. Wisdom is fairly rare. And why would that be? Well, in order to be wise, you got to see things as they are. And our preference as humans is generally to uh, imagine things as we wish they were instead of see things as they are especially when it comes to self-examination.
0: If you want to read more about Ruth and her character, we actually have a devotional series on our website at yellowballoons.net that you can check out or you can sign up for it through email. Um, there's There's a subscribe form on the homepage that you can sign up for specific series. So you could sign up for Ruth there.
2: When I grow up, I want to be Ruth. I want to be like Ruth.
0: Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at balloons.net. Thanks for listening.